Hi everyone, Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer, and welcome to Rock Your Midlife. I'm so delighted that you're here because I'm excited about today's guest. You know, when I ask women, I do surveys and I ask women, would you rather be 10% smarter? Would you rather weigh 10 pounds less? Would you rather live 10 years longer, have 10% more money, or be 10% happier? across the board, people are always saying, I just want to be happier. And it can be really, really elusive, particularly at midlife when we're trying to change. We've got a lot going on. That's why I'm excited about our guest today, who is Charlotte Common. She is a happiness designer. She literally teaches people how to tune into the wisdom so they can be happy. She's a motivational speaker, a visionary, an ordained minister, and an author. She's traveled the world. She is uh, talking to us right now from Mauritius in the Indian Ocean. She is off to Scotland, and she is going to share her passion for the evolution of humanity and how we can each transform our lives. So thank you so much for being here, Charlotte. Welcome. Well, thank you, Alan. I'm so excited that you've invited me because I love the title, you know, Rock Your Midlife. And, you know, you're a midlife whisperer. I mean, this, I love these terms. It's absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell you why I think they're so brilliant. Because they not only help people to rock out of perhaps there's some complacency or something in people of our age, but also for the younger generation. Because I feel that my adult children say to me, Mom, because you've got so much get up and go, we are excited, more excited about life and less fearful. That's a great point of being examples for our kids, particularly our daughters. I know my daughter is 22, and I feel like one of the reasons I really show up as myself and like you want to be a visionary and motivate other people is because it's great when your kids are like, right on, mom, I love what you're doing. But I know for you, you weren't always this sort of really rocking, high-powered, love-and-life kind of woman. Tell us a little bit about your transformative story. I mean, my story is quite an interesting one because I come from a family. I was born just after the Second World War, so everything was about duty, 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 and that's how I grew up. I also grew up in a family where actually boys were more important than girls. Unfortunately, in 1949, that was the way it was. And uh, so I had to, my journey is actually a journey of breaking free. And I think I broke free and my life started to change when I got divorced after 23 years and my liberation began. And I went to university and I studied, uh, age 54, I, I studied theology and I graduated age 58, I was ordained age 60 and I joined the church uh, but I found that it was very dogmatic and imprisoning, actually. It was a lot about religion and less uh, about spirituality. So after five years, I thought, no, I can't do this because this is, I'm in a straitjacket and this is not me. And I do believe that spirituality is about the liberation of humanity and not the imprisonment of humanity. Yeah, so, that's a great point. Yeah, it's, no, that's okay. Just about, you know, I think that religion can, it's supposed to help us to connect with spirit. So, but so often it kind of puts us in the box like you experienced where you really weren't able to be your true spiritual self. So I'm curious, how does the world keep us off track and how do we move into our true nature? Because I know that's a big part of the work you do with people. Yes, that is exactly it. Because I think when we're born, I think we are true nature. 
But then we're born into a family with tradition and cultures and ideas and habits. And I think, you know, our true nature is somehow buried. It was in my case and it's probably in many cases. And I think it's a, it's a lifelong journey to excavate our gold mine within. I mean, we've all got a gold mine within, a diamond that shines. And it actually, this diamond shines the light onto our path if we allow it to happen. This is how I see spirituality. And this is how I see how we are being pulled off track somewhere by the people round about us. Well, that's something example. that happens in, you know, in midlife because, you know, we were born into this world where if you see babies, they've got these bright, shining lights, they know who they are, they know what they want, maybe not how to quite communicate it other than like laughing or screaming. But then what happens is as we go through life, people tell us, you know, you have to be this way, especially if you're born in this sort of traditional, as you said, of in, in the sort of the 50s and the beginning of the 60s where girls do this, boys do this, you know, clean your room, get good grades, behave a certain way. And instead of letting our light shine, when people criticize us, it's like we put mud on our light and then we shellac it with nail varnish instead of like, let's get the mud off. Let's let our true nature shine. But that's, I think, a big piece of midlife where we, um, we create this big ego construct to kind of get along in the world. And then we get to a point like with, where you, know, you were at, I was at the, sort of the same thing with divorce and saying, this is just not who I am. So how do we get back? How do we get back to that true nature? How do we find our way back? so that we can let our light shine, so that we can feel that we're really on our path. Yeah, I mean, for my journey, it was that I left the church, I resigned, and I moved to Mauritius with one suitcase. And I thought, I just need to be away from everything. I've done my duty with my children, I brought them up, and now I think it's time uh, that I see who is Charlotte. I think this is the question, you know, we need to ask, who am I? And what is it that makes me tick? And because I was so brought up in so, with so much duty and in such a heavy and strong culture, I had to learn to actually listen to myself. That was a hard task for me because all these voices of my mother, of my father, of aunts and uncles who tried to keep me somewhere boxed in and the church authorities and so on. And I thought, where is Charlotte in all of this? And Charlotte was free and she was playful. And so on walking on the beach and living on my own in Mauritius, that helped me to uncover uh, or to excavate my true nature. And when I turned 60, I was terrified because I thought everything will go downhill again. And I'm now sort of going back into a box. But actually, I've just turned 70 a few months ago, and I'm so alive. I'm far more alive today than I was when I was 50 or 60. And, but it's becoming who I am and, what my, and understand my passions in life. So if people are listening, how do you start? You know, you talk about following your intuition and getting to know yourself, but if someone's listening and they have absolutely no idea how to get going, what do you recommend they do? I recommend that in any situation at the beginning, because it's, later on you learn how to, to understand yourself and you understand your own voice. But in the beginning, just in every situation, ask yourself, how do I actually really feel about this? In any argument or in any discussion or any decision, any decision perhaps somebody else wants you to do something, and learning to say no, because you say, actually, I don't want to do this. It's learning to listen to yourself. What makes you tick? 
What is your true nature saying? And you know, you realize that actually how often do we obey, almost obeying other people's demands and deep down we feel, no, 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 I don't really want to do this. But we go along. We go along for the sake of keeping in the superficial peace. And but the consequences when we do that versus listening to our intuition. When we listen to our intuition, it liberates us somewhere to actually start loving ourselves. Because it's another point. You know, we learn from a young age onwards to obey our parents, to obey the culture, if this is what it was like for me. But I couldn't love myself. I was always criticizing myself. I was too fat, I was this, I was that. And if, if somebody else didn't criticize me, I criticized myself. And I had to learn to love myself and be kind to myself. Really Good kind. Point. Yeah, because what, what happens with this internal, this critic is this internalized voice of early caregivers that's trying to protect us and keep us in line. But what it's actually doing is it's shutting us down and keeping us from connecting with our internal wisdom, our intuition, our true self, our passion, and our purpose. And I know when I listen to myself, there is a little voice, but part of it is you have to ask, like just say, what do I feel like, you know, even a little thing, when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I just play with, what should I wear today? And I'll get like a vision in my head of like, wear red or wear blue or, you know, what do I want to eat today? So maybe if you're listening and you're sort of new with tuning into your intuition, just listen to little things or even like, yes, no, you know, should I go out tonight or should I stay in? Um, is this something, if somebody asks you to do something, just, you know, put them off for a moment and say, let me think about it. And then really... Do some journaling or sometimes I even do like muscle testing. I'll ask myself the question and if it's yes, I kind of lean forward. And if it's no, I lean backwards. But it's a point of we have this intuitive wisdom. It's that, um, that sixth chakra, you know, the third eye chakra to steer us in the right direction. But we always, we don't, we don't always pay attention to us and it steers us in the wrong path. And so what's the connection with suffering? In terms yes, of because we're overriding this just to give you a little idea for example when i was working for the church i had a lot of work to do a lot of work to do and i love nature ellen and so i replenish my soul my body you know when i walk in nature or admire a sunset i have two dogs and i take them for a walk and you know exercise also helps me to balance and my boss heard that I was walking my dogs twice a day for 45 minutes. And she said to me, Charlotte, you obviously have got too much time on your hands and not enough work to do. I'm going to give you more work. I said, no, 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 no. I need this. I need this. I'm a giver. You know, I'm in the giving profession. So I need to give time to myself. But she wanted me to override my tiredness and just work more. And I think that's a very, very important point, especially when we're employed. You know, we think our boss wants this and our boss demands that. But actually what we're doing is we are uh, harming ourselves by being, allowing ourselves to be overworked. So it's that listening. What do I really want to do? Yes, I need to go out now. I need to have some fresh air. I need to have a rest. You know, taking enough rest you're living in balance. That is so important. And now I can't remember what you asked me. <laughs> oh, I asked you about suffering, but I think what you're saying, you know, when we're off our path and that's when we, you know, when we do suffer, when we override the fact that we're tired, I was working with a client today and she, 
you know, she's a busy pharmacist and her boss asked her to stay extra hours and she said no, but she had to make up an excuse. Self-care wasn't enough. So it's like, we can't even feel that, you know, resting, doing self-care, taking time for yourself. There's something wrong with them. And that's a big, important point of our society is always telling us do more, speed up, you know, sleep less. And I think you get to midlife and you're like, no, I, I want to make some different choices in my life. And so how do you empower people? to make those decisions. Yeah, and actually the question you'd ask me, you know, what is suffering or how does suffering come about? And that is actually the key thing. I mean, we can suffer because of illness or because of loss, but there is another big part of suffering and that means that we're perhaps stuck in the wrong relationship or in the wrong job, which is just not our true nature. And to recognize that and to say yes to that suffering, because what we're trying to do is often, because we don't want to feel that suffering, we just say, I'm just going to make myself a cup of coffee or I watch a film or read a book and try to change your mind or try to distract yourself. But that doesn't help you because really what you need to do is really own that suffering and say, I'm in the wrong job. I am in the wrong relationship. And I need to really explore that, why that is. What is it inside of me that I need to learn? What is it inside of me that says, Charlotte, it's time to move on. This man is not the right husband for you. I think you should get divorced. Yeah, so this really owning the suffering because then you can transform it, Ellen. Well, that's really important too. And also what happens is, you know, we get, we distract ourselves. So if we're suffering, we may eat too much, we may drink, we may shop, we may watch Netflix. But then the problem is that not only do you still have this problem, I don't like this job, I don't like the body I'm in, I don't like my relationship, I want to live differently. But then on top of it, you've got this other thing, like I just ate too much, I just drank too much, I just maxed out my credit card. So it's like you said, it's important to pay attention when you're suffering, to give yourself a compassion and then to start thinking about, okay, so what would I like my life to look like differently? So let's talk a little bit about how do you design happiness? So, you, you know, we're talking about realizing that I don't like the way my life is. And I think midlife is a good time to look and say, okay, let's do some self-evaluation. Let's change things. Let's take the lessons that we learned the first half of life and apply them to the second so that we can have a beautiful, like your, your second chapter has been amazing. How do you work with people to design happiness? Well, I think the three C's are very, very important. And the three C's are curiosity. We've got to be curious about ourselves because now I'm 70, but I think I can learn until the day I die. So what else can I learn? What else can I learn? And this is what I want to give my clients, this excitement about learning, curiosity about their own gifts and talents and what they can achieve and about the world outside, out there. So that's one thing. And when you're curious and you suddenly think, oh, I really would like, like to do this and this would inspire me and this would excite me, then we need courage. Because, you know, people will tell us, don't do this, you're too old to do this. Don't do that. No, you will never be able to do that. So you have to have the courage to stand up for your dreams and say, no, I'm curious about my own life. I'm curious about fulfilling potential and I will have the courage now. So, and the third C is change. We need to be excited about change because if we stay the same and we think we are in our comfort zone, when we're really honest, this comfort zone is actually a discomfort zone and the new life, the unknown becomes the comfort. 
That's a key thing that a lot of people don't want to change because they're afraid of the unknown and they think it brings discomfort. But when you work with it and you get help with it, you actually realize that where you are and you're suffering, that's actually the discomfort and the newness of life. That's the comfort because that's where your evolutionary uh, impulse comes from. So no great points. Curiosity is always a great thing. I think about curiosity as those breadcrumbs. What did you love to do as a child? What do you love to do now? What do you, you know, when you looked when you were a kid and you saw people doing amazing things, what lit you up? I have one client who actually went and joined the circus. She like went back to circus school. She loved circus growing up and she sort of built a whole business around circus. And I love that courage because um, courage comes from the French word core, which is heart. So courage isn't just about being brave. It's about following your heart tuning in to that you know spiritual center and asking what does my heart desire and then again how am i going to step up to the plate to make that happen and of course change because you're right i mean we we um think you know we don't want change you know people are scared of change but i totally agree with you i would much rather change and transform and be growing all the time than to be stagnant but i think of it like when a bird's in a cage and you open up the door the bird doesn't want to leave because it feels like it's safe outside the cage. It doesn't want that freedom. But I always you know, encourage people to think about when you're at your end of your life and you're looking back at this moment, what changes do you wish you had made? Because life is very, very short. I mean, I do a hospice work. And when I'm with people who are literally you know, hours or days away or weeks away from leaving the planet in, in the, this incarnation, you know, it makes me think like, gosh, I really want to make the most of my life and then I'm open to change. But if we're closed, like you said, we don't want to step outside our comfort zone. We stay very stuck and it creates a lot of suffering. And then sometimes the universe steps in and creates change around us to force us to grow. And you know, that's a, such an interesting point when you said, you know, when we come to the end of our life. And I always say to my children, I do not want to lie on my deathbed and saying, I wish I'd moved to Mauritius when I was 63. I wish I had moved to Scotland when I was 70. Why was I afraid? And I think fear is a huge, huge factor. If we could just trust the universe, that the universe will look after us, that the universe is a friendly universe. And when we have this desire to move somewhere else or do something else or start something that it, it comes from the divine there is a divine unrest there is a divine the divine tickles us come on charlotte you can do so much more now ellen i'm sitting in an empty house here because in two and a half weeks i'm moving to scotland well i'm moving to an area where i've never been i'm moving into a house i've never seen only photographs and I'm moving into an area, and I get goosebumps now, where I don't know a soul. But I'm following my heart because there's something I will discover there. I know it from experience. There is something which will inspire me to do greater things and to be more of more service. And that's why, I, for example, I don't like the word retirement. Because we never retire, and I feel I just want to serve the world in a greater way. Now, that's a great point, too. I was actually watching um, uh, the, the movie about Mr. Rogers, and I was just like so inspired by the difference he made in the world. And let's face it, the planet needs every single one of us. We have all agreed to be born in this time to make a difference. We're kind of in that age of Aquarius where we're really about the collective and making a difference. If you're listening, you have a job to do. 
whether that is impacting 12 people or 12,000 or 12 million people, every single one of us has a job to do. And there's sort of this myth out there that midlife is kind of you're washed up and it's a time of crisis. But I really feel, and you're such a great inspiration, that it can be the most powerful time of your life because you have this wisdom, you've changed your perspective, you know, particularly if you're, you know, you're done with kids, right? So my kids are 18 and 22 and your kids are grown up. And so we have space, we have time, but we have to get curious about what would I love to do and then get quiet. I'd like at the scene there, get quiet and listen to our intuition and what comes up for us have the courage to follow it when it comes up and then also be willing to change. So I'm curious, tell, can you tell a little bit of your story of how did Scotland appear for you? Well, I mean, I was married to a Scot and I'm not moving back because yeah. of him. I mean, I've got two, two sons living there. Okay. And that particular area I've never been and my sons don't live there. Um, and I thought, yeah, I'm just going to give it a go. Uh, it's, it's just, I knew I've been here in Mauritius for seven and a half years and I, I've learned so much about humanity, about religion and cultures and so on. And I think now it's time to, to go back into more European, area, more European fields and bring my wisdom into that area and I'm curious to see what will unfold and it's this openness you know it's open to life and staying open and I think that's uh, that's I'm fascinated about it and again with my children they're 31 36 and 42 and you know we inspire the younger generation by be allowing ourselves to be who we are meant to be because we are actually giving the younger generation the permission to be all they want to be much younger. You know what we had to learn through a lot of suffering, Ellen, we are giving this as a gift to our children. We're giving them a platform to play on and playing and resting and teaching young people balance. And they learn that through us. I didn't have very good role models when I grew up. And that's why I said, I want to be a good role model to young people. And the best thing is that my younger son says, mom, you need to work with young people because you are so young at heart and you can really inspire young people. Well, thank you so much for inspiring us today. I totally agree with you. I, I don't think about time as being linear. It's more cyclical. It's more a, you know, a spiral or a circle thinking about years and moons and the way you know we can be as youthful as we want even if we are a certain age we can carry that youth and also inspire other people in the new generation and i know you've got a wonderful gift that you are in the process of putting together for people who are listening can you tell us about that yes i'm putting a video together um and it's called flow and glow because i think being in flow helps us to glow and all i'm doing is i'm sharing uh, my teachings how to fall in love with yourself how to romance yourself and to rom how to romance life and to how to romance the unknown and how to romance loads of things how to romance nature because i think nature and human beings you know we're all part of nature and to see that connection so i'm excited about it well great so i hope people will grab that i know i'm going to grab that because i love being in flow and loving myself so thank you so much for joining and people can find you um is it charlottecommon.com your website so people website. can connect with you if they want to get some coaching or some inspiration and you've been such an inspiration today at uh you're turning 70 correct 
I have turned 70. You've just yeah. turned 70 that you are, you don't look a day over. I won't even say the age, but you're just so beautiful, so Thank full you. of life, and you've been a great inspiration today. My big takeaway is that those three C's, curiosity, courage, and being open to change, and the universe will step in, and you will really create an amazing life and be so much happier. So thank you so much for watching. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Make it an amazing day.